Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. Um, This is from Matthew 25. But then the Son of Man comes into his glory and all the angels with him. Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in in his presence. And he will separate the people as shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come on who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did you ever, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. (laughs) Y'all can have a seat. Have a seat, everybody. Hey, you want to start us out in prayer? Yes. All right. Let's Let's pray pray. real quick. Dear God, thank you so much for the service. Thank you for this time shared together. Uh, We ask that you help us to uh, open our minds, our ears, and our hearts to what you have for us this morning. And we ask that you uh, um, just bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey guys, as you can tell, we're going to do a different type of service for you this morning. If I haven't met you, my name is Jessica, and this is my awesome husband, Marius. I know the chairs are weird, right? Hey, don't fall. You're going to fall. Yeah, please fix it. Oh, God. Okay, we're good. The mics, the chairs, we're back. Okay. For family time today. Yeah, so today is Mission Sunday, and we're super excited to talk with you guys about that. We have some friends that are going to be rotating up here. And, you know, as we look at scripture and how Jesus walks, it can feel intimidating. Like, I want to live a life like him. He was a a man on a mission, right? He was compassionate and empathetic, and he served people around us. And we're going to hear a lot about that today. Um, And we're going to hit on four different parts, Um, addiction, the fatherless, and then global and local missions. And this is something that's super dear to Marius and I. We actually met on the mission field in New York City, and Marius flew all the way over here to do global missions for America. So this is something that's super dear to our hearts. And so, yeah, take it away, babe. Yeah, uh, like she said, uh, growing up, missions was always important to my family. And what we did is always we're involved in local mission. But when it came time to graduate high school, I actually did a global missions trip to New York City. And um, it, being there uh, changed my life, changed my perspective. And I think that's what's important to remember about in global trips. It's always a perspective change sometimes. And we can't go and stay for a long time. Sometimes some of those trips are really just to give you a perspective change of where you were at and what you can focus on. So for me, I ended up staying in New York and uh, moved on to Arkansas afterwards. And we've just been doing missions ever since. So we are excited for this weekend. I hope you guys are too. It's going to be all about missions and how you can get plugged in and uh, find you a spot to serve as well. That's right. So today we're going to have obviously let you meet our friends and we're going to give you some very practical steps to be a part. So that's our prayer this morning is that you will just find yourself 
falling in love with what someone on the stage is saying and that you would practically want to do something about it. So That's right. Well, let's just start it. First, first up, we have uh, the missionaries to Albania. We have the Leachites come up here. Come up here. Give up for the Leachites, guys. They are going to share with us of what's going on in Albania. We're so glad they're here. Actually, Austin and Beverly McCaskill, give them a wave. Good job. There you go. Give them up to them. They're amazing people. They got connected for a long time ago. And actually, two years ago, we had you guys come and share to the church already what's been going on at, uh, in Albania with your church. And it's so exciting to see that the church is growing. And last time you guys were here, you all was asking for to purchase a piece of land. And we're so excited to get an update on that today. But first, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell everybody who you are and what you guys have been doing. Okay. We have been serving at this church for 16 years now. We've been married for 21 years. We have three children. And when we moved in Berat, we found a very small church with 14 people. And... Uh, we sought God, we taught the word of God, and we discipled those people. And now we have an attendance of 100 people. And uh, that's for, to, to give God the glory. Yeah. Give it up, give God the glory. That's awesome. Uh, now, like I said, last time you guys were actually giving us an update about praying uh, to be able to purchase a piece of land. Because as you can see in the pictures, and we're going to roll them through the whole time, uh, it's getting packed in there. It's getting, it's getting full. Uh, what's, what's going on with the piece of land? Yes, yeah, so we bought the piece of land. Uh, it's been a blessing because it was impossible to buy land. But God provided the money. God, God provided the, uh, a good deal. So we had the land. Now we are in the next stage to start the community center. We want to build this community center that will give us the facilities to expand our ministry. As uh, uh, my wife shared, when we moved to Berat 15 years ago, uh, we found just a group of people, 14 people, but uh, we believe in God that he can change things. He can transform people's lives. He can change cities and nations. So we came from a, a most severe communist regime in the East. Albania has been under, for 45 years, under the most regime, uh, severe regime communist, and we, they taught us that God doesn't exist. So me and my wife, we have been the first generation accepting Christ, and we brought our parents to Christ, our friends, our children's life. So when we moved, we, uh, we believed in this God that he can transform people, and from 14 people, now we baptized 160 people during these years. Yes. So that's awesome. We have a good problem, but it's a big problem for us. We don't have any space in our room. So this community center will give us these facilities to to expand the ministry, not only in Berat, but to go in the mission field uh, beyond Albanian borders because of. Uh, Historical reasons, two of the third of the Albanian lands and populations are out of Albanian borders. 90% uh, of uh, Kosovo population are uh, Albanians there, Muslim Albanians, same in Montenegro, same in uh, Northern Macedonia, in Greece too. And they hate Jesus, they hate God because uh, uh, they have uh, been forced to be Muslim th through many centuries and the Serbs and Greeks and Slavian uh, countries, they killed and uh, tried to assimilate Albanians and uh, took their properties and sent out from their houses with the, under the sign of Christ, saying that we are Orthodox and we are Christians, you are Muslims, 
and they killed people there. But go, we as Albanians, if you go there, there will be uh, very easy to reach them, to tell the truth about Christ, that he is the, the only Lord and the only Savior in this world. So our, uh, this building will give us the facilities to uh, do outreaches, evangelize people, convert them to Christ, and um, uh, send them as missionaries to these countries where Albanians live. Uh, show the map real quick in the back. I know you have a little map up there to what he was saying. And we love that thought of them training pastors and leaders to go out and go evangelize to the, the countries around them. And again, this is what we're talking about in missions is not just our own walls, but reaching out. But uh, and as they show, can you also show the, the rendering of the building? I'd love for you to talk about the first service. You talked about the goal with the youth and training and skills for, for jobs. What is your vision for the, for the new ch the church and community center? So we have a clear vision for our new community center. We would like to have their uh, professional center where the youth can teach, where we could teach the youth many professions so they will not be involved in drugs or go abroad, but they could have a profession and work and make a living with that. We would love to have a kindergarten to reach new families and to reach children also. We would love to have a medical clinic. We have many doctors and nurses at our church and they would love to serve the community with their gift of being uh, doctors. And uh, we would also love to have a guest house. So if you want to come to Albania and visit Berat, you're welcome to stay at the guest house we will have. So all of these will serve uh, to the church to reach out the community. I love that. Uh, I think all of you guys can already hear that this is exactly how we like to think of ministry, not of our own walls, but how do we get practical, help people on the way, but also make Jesus the center of it all. And for you guys to get involved, we're going to have a lot of QR codes today, but the first one's going to be up here. You can scan that. It's actually going to show you an address, and you can send a check that way. If you want to financially sow into their ministry, you can use that link, get the check there in, in the States, and then they'll get it to them directly. But also, there's going to be flyers in the back. If you uh, see Nate back there, or whatever you want to call him, wave at everybody, Nate. There you go. And he'll have some more flyers next to him after the service. If you want to know more about it, what's the plan, what's the strategies, go get the flyer. But together, let's give it up for them and all they've been doing in Albania. Thank you so much. Uh, we're excited. Next up, we have our friend Nathan, the man of many nicknames, but it is true. He does a lot around the church and for others and just lives a life like Christ. And so we are very thankful to have you as our friend. Let's, let's give it up for Nate. <laughs> give it up, up for Nate, Nate everybody. So, Nathan, you were telling me a couple of weeks ago, you have a friend in Guatemala and you're looking at potentially leading a group next year to Guatemala. So tell us all about it. Yeah, I've been going to Guatemala since I was in ninth grade, and I kind of, like Marius, got the book for missions way back then. We had an opportunity to, to go with a big group and, and minister to the people of Guatemala. And so uh, we got to meet up with Mario and Suzanne. His, he and his wife run this ministry called Hearts in Action out there. Um, and it's just incredible. I've been back four times. I, I got to stay over a summer one time when I was in college. Um, and just the work that they do is incredible, and they've been faithful to that area. So this is Mario. He's he's forged something off of the ground, and he's eating it now. And um, he's just a wild man. They're they're incredibly resourceful, and they just love the area that they're in. They understand the land, they understand the people, and they and they love them well. So he and his wife uh, run this ministry, and then my friend Adria and her family. She moved there. Uh, gosh, I guess it was 15 years ago now to serve the people of Guatemala and we've stayed in touch and and she's doing amazing work there. And so together, 
they're they're working in that area. It's it's a very remote area of Guatemala, way out in the jungle. Um, you got to fly to Guatemala City, then you got to fly further out into the jungle, or you could drive 12 hours on a bus, which is awesome. Highly recommend. We won't do that. Well, maybe. Uh, so you're telling me you have to drive a bus for 12 hours and eat bugs. You're not selling it. Nobody eats I'm bugs. just kidding. Nobody eats bugs. Um, and so um, we get to go out there, and it's just because it's such a remote area, um, the, the opportunities for education, the opportunities even for spiritual formation are, are not great. And so obviously some of our values as a church and, and some of my values personally, getting to partner with this ministry and, and bring some of those opportunities. Like I said, they've been doing this work there for, for decades now. And they, they have a school, they give the kids education, they bust them in from all these remote villages in the area. Um, they, like I said, they're incredibly resourceful. They use the resources, they make things, uh, they do woodworking. Um, and they just do a lot of incredible things with the, the resources they have available and, and the, the missionaries that come and help them build more and, and do more with what they have. I love that. And we're going to have a QR code. Uh, Nathan's going to host a um, interest meeting. So if this is something maybe you'd want to go on, you and your family would like to go on a mission trip for a week, uh, make sure you scan that QR code and go to your, the interest meeting with Nathan. But something else he does is he's an a CASA advocate. Can you tell us more about what that is and what that practically look, looks like? Yeah, CASA is another opportunity God just kind of led me right into. And uh, CASA stands for CASA's uh, Court Appointed Special Advocate. And so it's part of the, the foster care system uh, in partnership with DHS. And what a CASA does is it's kind of like the things above and beyond what a caseworker doesn't have time to do. And so we, we often get paired with a case that's maybe a little more difficult. So my, I have a 16-year-old boy. He's been in the system for about eight years. The, the parental rights have been terminated. And so he's been kind of stuck in the system for a while without a lot of family connection and all of that. And so I got an amazing opportunity to, to meet him and, and come alongside of his story. And I was able to start finding some family members and reconnecting some people and just being there for him. Like, um, being able to be there for him in probably the most difficult time of his life has just been an amazing opportunity for, for ministry, to encourage him, to build him up. Uh, and then that like continues to spill over into the rest of his family because I've got to meet his siblings now. I've got to meet his cousins, his uncle. And, and so uh, it, it is part of the DHS system. It is part of the foster care system. But I really do get to bring a lot of my faith into those situations and speak life into them and encourage him. And so uh, just an unbelievable opportunity for ministry. Um, and, and so the, the growth I've seen in him and the opportunities I've seen to speak into his life and encourage him, just be that like one consistent person in his life in a, in a time when he's really not had anything. And so, um, advocating for him in the, in the legal part of his journey and, and figuring out if he can have a home, if he can be adopted. Um, and so, yeah, it's just an amazing opportunity to, to do all that. And you shared the number, how many kids are actually in the foster care system in yeah. our state? Yeah, right now in Arkansas, yeah, a lot. It's uh, it's 4,200 um, children in the foster care system. And so if you have a heart for this, um, maybe you can't adopt somebody, maybe you can't foster somebody. This is, like I said, an amazing opportunity to come alongside of a kid and be in their life week to week and, and start encouraging them and building something in their life. And I've really seen him shift towards like, feeling like his life is is without purpose, feeling like there's no future for him, to having vision, to seeing what he can do with his life and, and seeing what's ahead of him. Um, James 1.27 says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So 
it's, it's a high call. It's, it's a lot to take in. And this may not be for everybody, but if you have a heart for this and maybe you can't do some of those, you know, fostering or adopting, it's an amazing opportunity to, to step into a kid's life. That's right. And right here, another QR code. So this is the service to have your phone out, have that camera ready and scan the QR code. And he's going to have another interest meeting for that as well. Again, this isn't you signing up and you're all of a sudden becoming a CASA, but I would encourage you come out, like listen, ask questions and see what you could be a part of. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nate. Give it up for Nate. Uh, As you guys have seen and uh, as you have heard, uh, we love global mission and we believe in global mission through relationship and longevity, not just going somewhere and coming back. But we we, we were careful about picking people that are in place for a long time and supporting them. And also, like I said, to give people a perspective change when they go on these trips, not just to show and, uh, you know, okay, I'm doing a trip and that's it, but to have your heart change and have a perspective change. And then now we ended up with Nate at local missions. And next up for local, we have uh, the Polstons with M18 Recovery. Let's give it up for Ashley and Blake. A lot of you guys, huh? Oh, sorry, Jess. Um, a lot of you guys have seen uh, the Polstons, Blake, or Ashley around. Obviously, one of our favorite Sundays here at uh, this campus is a graduation Sunday when we get to celebrate somebody's life being transformed, come from uh, addiction to being recovered and living a life of purpose and uh, being community. So we're so glad uh, they're up here with us. Um, but we want to start off kind of, uh, again, we all know M18 a little bit, but I want to give us a little bit more of the heart behind why M18 started. And uh, maybe Blake and Ashley, what, at what point did you just decide to use the very past you had to actually turn it around and help somebody else? Yeah, for me, it, man, it, it's, I, I jokingly say it's what keeps me clean. Um, because what, what I want you guys to think about really is like some of the most heinous things that's ever happened to you. Like, like what are those dark things that you've gone through in your life? Well, now picture you actually showing God's love to someone who's going through that exact same thing. Like, there's really not much more in life that you're going to find fulfillment in uh, like that because you get to use your lived experience in order to help other people. But I think the moment that I realized it um, was whenever we planted a church. And as weird as that sounds, um, I went through John 316, stayed two and a half years in a recovery program. And then I transitioned out and spent another year uh, in aftercare housing. And so by the time that I was done, I was sick of recovery. Like I I didn't want anything else to do with it. I was like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm gonna leave this over here. Uh, Now I'm gonna go pastor big people. Like I always knew that I wanted to be a, uh, a pastor, but I just didn't really know to what capacity. Um, and so as Ashley and I were planting Mayflower as a church, um, both of us realized that like, we can't get away from this. Like if you can't laugh at a crack cocaine joke, like I just, I can't really hang out with you on a regular basis. Like, um, and, and, and so there's just too much. I used to tell people, I'm like, you know, my, my stories are just different. Like, you know, so, some people they're like, oh, I was just running and I fell and I tripped and I broke my arm. And at that moment I felt the love of God and me, I'm like, well, I was looking for mushrooms and I was getting chased by a cow. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't, I don't know how else to put it. And so we realized really quickly that we were a specialized tool in the kingdom of God. And so therefore we went all in with it. And here I am, um, chased by a cow. Um, yeah, no, the cow was definitely not real. Um, you know, uh, at the moment that I realized, I would absolutely say, um, one of our biggest hearts for M18 is family restoration. And I mean, we both grew up in broken homes and I was exposed to addiction. I mean, by the age of five 
And so, you know, as you go on, you look at something and you're like, I don't want to be that, but, you know, eventually I did become that. Um, when I got out of my addiction and I found Christ, um, I found him in a real, real way, and I surrendered everything to him. And in that, I always knew I was called to do something. I always wanted to help people, but I didn't know what that would be. Um, my sister got me a job as a tutor, um, and look, I barely passed high school. Um, and so that was really interesting. Um, it was like fourth grade math. It was hard. Um, so anyway, no one's laughing because they're like, why would anyone put you as a tutor? But when I got into this school system, I was like, goodness, they put me with like kids who were had extreme behavior issues. And I'm like, yes, I fit in with them. Um, and so we were just talking. I'm like, man, like their life was just a lot worse than mine, a lot worse than my upbringing. And then on the other end, I heard them talk about their parents. And then I heard the teachers talk about their parents. And then I realized this is a bigger problem, you know, than just the kid's behavior. And so for me, that's when God really started showing me, like, we've got to help the family holistically from parent down. And that's something that we're very passionate about at M18 is helping the parent, the adult, so that then the child is also helped as well. Yeah, um, over the last few months and years, I don't know, probably all the time, but I've kind of realized more and more how actually how many families are impacted by addiction. It almost feels like if you ask anybody at some point down the road in their family tree, there's somebody who's struggling with this. And obviously we've seen a lot of great uh, stories come out of M18, but as we as a church community and, and bodies of this church body, what can we do? What is something that y'all can teach us or what we need to know about in recovery spaces? How can we be helpful, even if it's not directly with just ministry, but as we welcome people in or have family members that are dealing with this? Well, I, I think that it's really important to know that somebody with an addiction, they're not necessarily a bad person. Like, they don't wake up one day and think, you know what? Like, I really just think that I'm going to drink myself into oblivion or, or like, hey, today, all day, let's just spend it looking for heroin so that I don't get sick. You know what I mean? Like, that sounds fun. Like, that's where I want to end up. And, and so whenever people, they make bad choices when they're young, and a lot of times it's coping through stuff. Like, I mean, you know, you come from broken homes, and I don't know if any of you guys know about the ACEs exam, but it's adverse childhood experiences. And so you can literally see who's going to end up an addict. you got about a 70 I think it's 700% more likely uh, with an ACEs score of like four or higher that you're going to become incarcerated or become a drug addict. And so it's like we have these childhood traumas that people start coping with, and then they don't realize the magnitude of how the substance grips them. And they're not bad people. Um, I mean, some people genuinely suck, but I mean, that just goes across the board. But for the most part, like whenever someone puts down the drugs that my wife. <laughs> but whenever people put down drugs and alcohol and they put Christ into their life, man, it changes everything. Like I, I always think about the, the individual that I was prior to coming to know Christ. My worldviews was skewed. Like the way that I thought about everything was just jacked up. Uh, and I wouldn't even have lunch with me. Like, like me now, I wouldn't, like, I couldn't be around me. Like I was that obnoxious of an individual. I mean, I grew out of that, thank God. But you know, Whenever, whenever we want to impart something on you guys, what we want to tell you about drug and alcohol addiction uh, is that people do recover. Like, they, they do, without a shadow of a doubt. There can be the people in your life that you have that you know that are struggling with drugs and alcohol. Continue to pray for them. Continue to make sure that you're just being a good influence. I mean, we, we always want to be able to introduce anybody that we can to Christ because we know that he can heal and change. And Ashley, I know, like, um, that's great, but, like, Sorry, I just jumped right past you. I want to talk to my girl. And can I piggyback on that? Yeah, on go how for the it. Church can like help yeah. too. 
Um, you know, I said first service that we're all in recovery. And one thing, like, we understand the drug and alcohol addiction part, but something that each person who is struggling with addiction needs is life skills. They need someone to love on them. They need pastoral guidance. They need to know the word of God. All these things, like sometimes uh, if you're sitting in the audience, you're like, man, I've never really directly dealt with addiction. You have something inside of you that you can bring to somebody because at the end of the day, they're needing purpose in their life. And that comes through all these other things that we have learned as a Christian and as we get sanctified in the Lord. And so it's just so crucial that the body understands that you all can help with this. That's so good. An M18 woman just opened, and y'all just had y'all's first graduation. So exciting. Let's give it up for that. That's huge. There we go. There we are. There it is. Uh, what is one thing that you feel like you're still missing or a prayer request or something that we could come around and support you in? Yeah, so, um, you know, we've had the men for like four and a half years, and so women have different needs and different things, um, you know, and as, as they've come in, I'm learning that as well. I would say right now just please pray, you know, that we have more women come in, more of their needs are being met, that family restoration with their children is being met as well, and their families. And also, you know, a lot of women that come in, um, they don't have a lot of things. And so something that I would really love from the church is if you're interested in being like a sponsor to a woman, um, so when they come into the program, they need clothes, they need personal hygiene things, they need basic things, and uh, that would be tremendously helpful. Um, a lot of them have broken families, uh, bro like have severed some of the relationships, they don't have a lot of support. And so when they come in through the doors, like we are their support. And so if the church wanted to rally, that would be amazing for our ladies is just sponsor them and, and provide the needs that they need. That's awesome. Well, uh, one last thing before we get you guys uh, back out there um, is we got something big coming up, Blake. You got to uh, actually walk me around that building a couple of days or weeks back, but share a little bit of what's next on the horizon for M18 Recovery. So we need your prayers. Um, I, I jokingly said in our, our warm-up, uh, unless you find it easier to write a $3.96 million check, and then you don't even have to pray. Like, just give us the check. But, still pray. Uh, still pray, though. Probably still pray. Yeah, I'll do your praying for you. Pray for Ashley. <laughs> no, I'm, all, all joking aside, um, what, what, uh, there, there's, a, there's a fund that has come from an opioid settlement. So the phar pharmaceutical companies um, for creating an epidemic uh, throughout the country, um, they have money that they've been um, having to give up. And so in that, a lot of that money is coming to Arkansas. And, um, and so we're applying for grant funding. And uh, it's a fairly easy process. We've written the grant. Um, we're, we're a little intimidated. I'm not, God, God before you, who can be against you? But doing something in the middle of downtown Little Rock is a lot more expensive than doing it other places. And so we just need your prayer for favor uh, because the number that we had to ask for, it's just what it is. Like, I mean, it's just what it costs, but this building, uh, it's located on 801 Scott Street. It's right down the road. It's the old boys club building. And if you could look at the inscription, you can't see it, but it actually says, enter you men of tomorrow. Um, it's crazy. It's four stories. Uh, what we're wanting to do uh, as we're wanting right now, we're just applying for minimal funding uh, to get into the building, uh, but we're going to renovate the, it looks like the, uh, well, it'll be the second floor, not the basement, not the first floor. The second floor is what we're going to renovate. Uh, we're going to double the capacity of, uh, of M18 instantaneously. And then we're also going to create a leadership development academy for Christ-centered graduates of all the recovery programs from across the state of Arkansas. Uh, we're going to bring them into the middle. Yeah, give it up for that. We're going to bring them. 
to downtown Little Rock. Uh, we're going to love on them. We're going to teach them how to be leaders. And, uh, and in that, what's going to happen is when you get graduates from John 316, from Renewal Ranch, from Life and Victory, uh, graduates from Sozo, graduates from Arm 180, graduates from the other side ministries, and you get all of these top level leaders and place vision in front of their life as to what they can do. And then we're going to partner with School of Ministry so that we can continue to grow in their biblical knowledge. But then we're going to create the next generation of recovery leaders and create right in the middle of Little Rock, Arkansas, an amount of synergy that you will have never seen the likes of by bringing all these people into downtown Little Rock. That's awesome. Well, let's uh, give it up for the Polsons, guys. Thank you guys for what you guys Thank are you doing. Guys. And remember, here's that QR code. So if you want to be a part of that, make sure you scan that. Um, man, we love the Polsons, what they're doing. It's changing our city. And as yeah. always, go find them. They're always around. So always. make sure if you want to get plugged in or want to sponsor a woman or whatever they've said, touch your heart, come find them after the service or next week. Maybe we're too close together. Okay. Next up, we have the, the man, the myth, the legend. Hello, Fitzhill. Hey. <laughs> Coach Fitz, some call him that. Um, I respect this man so much, y'all. He is not, he talks a lot about his passion, but he is doing everything that he stands for. He's not just talking about it. He's doing it. And I respect that so much. Marius and I always joke. I'm like, I hope to have the stamina that Fitz has at his age because he is so focused. I'm like, if I could have an ounce of that energy right now, the things I could do. But I have two littles, and so <laughs> it's, sometimes it's hard, but I'm so thankful for you, Fitz. Thank you. Um, so at our church, we know you're our outreach director. You have two fish, five loaves. The church has helped get the trailer. We go into communities. We feed. Today, we have Bring a Friend Weekend. You're feeding us pork chops. What else you got? A ton of hot dogs. And the hot dog. I love it. My daughter will be down there right after this service. But you also help and you lead um, Sixth and Goal. Um, but your biggest project you just started with is First and 45. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Just first of all, let's give it up for Marius and Jess. Would y'all would? Yeah, they're great. They're great teammates. You know, I said they're a thermostat to set the temperature, and uh, um, and they're you know, Mario's been traveling with us to the detention facilities, and uh, Jess is always here to to try to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our community every every way we can. So I, I really appreciate you all and what we're trying to do together because we know teamwork makes God's dream work, and we're one team for God's dream because we're trying to reach out and touch those who need it the most. But yes, you know, through my life experiences as a coach and president of Arkansas Baptist College where serving historically black uh, population. Um, you know, my life was changed by a homicide that took place on September 27, 2012 at 7.27 p.m. It's you know, never been the same when I had to call a mother and tell her that her son was murdered here um, off Martin Luther King Drive, right down from the, from the, from the church here. And um, uh, just, it traumatized me uh, uh, because I have a black son and, and uh, for the last 12 years, I've just been doing review of literature and reading everything I could to understand what social determinants are leading to this behavior and why in the United States of America that we can have all the other epidemics and, and, and address them uh, and have this one and, know, and, and stay remain crickets about it. I love Blake and Ashley and what they're doing, and I'm going to support them 10,000%. Whenever Blake calls me, I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. Because we're, we're kind of like, you know, when, when you're in combat, which I've been, you know, you have the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines for a different reason because you have to control the air, land, and sea. 
in order to be able to take over the enemy. And so the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but we serve a God that comes that we may have life and have it more abundantly, but we can't be on the sideline and watch Satan play and don't, and don't attack him. And so first and 45 is about building a specific game plan to help attack this black male homicide epidemic that since 1970, the CDC has described is the number one cause of death for black boys, black males, ages 15 to 44. Now, over the last 20 years, from one to 14 has been added to that. Now, I want y'all to listen to me really, really carefully. I'm gonna speak slowly and articulately so you will understand this data. In the United States of America, the richest country in the world, not Rwanda, not Nigeria, not a third world country, Homicide, guns, is the number one cause of death for black males ages one to 44. One, which then the reason it gives me anxiety because I have a son, 23, I have a son-in-law, 29, I have a grandson, four, and I have another grandson that's just born for five months. Now, empirical data which numbers don't lie, and together they will tell your story, tells me if my sons do not make it to 45, they will be a victim of a homicide to gun violence. So rather than sitting on the sideline and saying somebody needs to do something, Bronson last week in his message said that God always uses individuals to bring the spiritual realm to the earthly realm. So I said, okay, God, I'm gonna sign up for this mission. And I'm going to trust you. I know I don't have all the answers, but I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. And all my ways, I'm acknowledge you, and you'll direct my path. And we're going to try to bring awareness to this crisis. And I'm going to tell you how God has been working through how we started this. I just bring a friend weekend. What six months ago, we started hosting our leadership in faith, and we did a mobs event. And then we had several community leaders come out. The Secretary of Commerce came here, and he observed the event. He connected me with the Secretary of Human Services, and we've got a lot of connection. Because of the mobs event, I now know the lead juvenile prosecutor, Casey Beard, all right, which now decides which one of these kids are going to be charged and how they're going to be charged and what we're going to do. Almost just like Blake's program to diversion tactics on how we're going to help them to rehabilitate their lives because we realize there are four different areas that you help children, you help youth. There's resuscitation during incarceration. There's rehabilitation and diversion. Okay, There's early, early detection and prevention. And you have to categorize that with a specific game plan, which is what we do. Like you take our Ever Arcans and our Dream Center. They're out there every, every day. Well, that's rehabilitation and early detection when you can find an elementary school kid, which last week, young kid had been suspended from school, walked up to the Dream Center, he was hungry. Well, what we, what's gonna happen to that kid if the Dream Center don't take him in? Casey's gonna have to deal with him. Then we're gonna have to send him to the detention facility. And before I go on, I wanna say, that's what our outreach program is about, that we're trying to reach outside the doors. And I wanna recognize because Mobs, Mobs program, Ms. Yolanda Harrison introduced me to Casey Beard. See how God works, start putting, I wouldn't have known any other way. So, Miss Yolanda, will you please stand up, just bring a friend weekend. She, Yolanda, her son was murdered here. 
Can you explain what MOBS is? Yeah, MOBS is mother of black sons standing against death. All mothers, okay, all mothers. Well, she had a meeting call with the juvenile uh, prosecution team and Miss Casey Beard was in there and she introduced it to me and she's here. So God has allowed us to put all these components together to start transforming these issues. And Miss Casey Beard, juvenile, will you please stand back? Let's give her a round. She's in the gang with So this way we can now make things happen so we can continue to move forward in transforming the lives of what I'm calling is a permanent underclass who has no voice and becomes the pipeline to prison. So first and 45 is helping black males who are born in, in, in environments that are not conducive to them making the 45 to give them a game plan to help them uh, uh, support them like I do it each quarter. Hey, zero to 10. Hey, man, they made a first down, bro. Let's give them a, let's, let's keep going. 11 to 20, the second down. They got it there. When you get to 45, God bless you. You're going to be a grandparent. Praise God. Let's keep moving on. You feel what I'm saying? So we give them a, give them a goal to help them make, but we support them through it. Yeah. I know that, uh, that's amazing, Fitz. Um, I know you and Marius have been going to the youth, uh, detentional center. What are you finding that these young boys, are needing so we can be in alignment of prayer or can partner with you guys. Yeah. So it's amazing. I tell you, I, I was telling them when I get a chance to go in that on Fridays, I, I've never felt Mars can tell you I'm pumped to the tip because God, that's delight. He, he was whistling. Oh man. That, <laughs> he was whistling in the car. <laughs> That's, that's the scripture, Psalms 37, 4, delight yourselves in the Lord. And then so you empower to go do something when you walk in there and the kids. Now, these kids are facing. Let me tell you the kids that we're going to see. I got this Friday. I can't you know, we have a, 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 a confidentiality clause, but I'm going to give you some statistics so you can know what our outreach is doing. All right. Hey, Blake is doing man. It's awesome. Here's what I want to ask you. Y'all just heard him talk about 278 million dollars for settlement for opioids. Y'all heard him say that, right? Why we can't get the same thing? He says epidemic, right? CDC says this is epidemic of black male homicide. I went down to the health department and they said, oh, they have a they have a obesity childhood grant. They just granted for overweight children for $2.5 million. I asked, I said, I'm not, I'm, I ain't seen a whole lot of black boys overweight that they're going to go for. I said, can I, what, what can I do about this life and death issue? I said, I'm just asking. You know, is there a way, anything you can do? Because see, this is the awareness that First and 45 is bringing up because, you know, the numbers don't lie and together tell a story. So let me tell you why going in. See, going in there is too late. That's just like going in tomorrow and they say, like my father, you have terminal cancer. Well, I wish they'd have told him that. 20 years ago, his lifestyle was the reason he had terminal cancer. And this is what we're dealing with when we go in there. I got this from Casey Friday, and she wouldn't mind because it's just numbers. Mm -hmm. I want y'all to hear this. Over the last 11 months, Little Rock has tallied 16 homicides perpetrated by youth offenders ages 17 and younger. In addition, 27 juveniles in the capital city I'm only talking Little Rock. I'm not talking North Little Rock, and I'm not talking Pine Bluff. I'm talking Little Rock. 
In addition, 27 juveniles in the capital city between the ages of 15 and 17 were charged with battery in the first degree. That probably means they shot somebody, okay? Due to the nature of the charges, 43 violent charges, each teenager was charged as an adult. That's 43 kids, all right? I call them the two percenters. And if, what happens if we don't treat that, we pay for them for 40 years in the penitentiary. Now we pay for it one way or another, okay? So we're not saving money. All right, now here, here's why First and 45 was created. And so when we do that, see, I call that resuscitation during incarceration because when we go down there, we're giving hope to the hopeless and we're giving a vision to the vision because our people perish for the lack of knowledge. So 42 of the 43 violent offenders charged as adults were black youth. 42 of the 43. And the data already tells me when to do the numbers, 90% of those who they shot were black youth. So see, in our world to be inclusive about everything, which I'm all about it, we have failed to be exclusive about this issue. So if you have lung cancer, you don't treat the whole body, you treat the young. So this is a specific, Blake just has a specific treatment of opioids, I have a specific treatment of gun violence. And we both have a game plan to address the issues through this church, which you invested in, to allow us to, us to do that. Because here's 15 of the 16 homicides in the capital city were, com were committed by black teenagers. So when we go there, those kids facing those lifetime sentences, if they can be rehabilitated as a youth, we really have to work hard. Yeah. But what we're finding out, 95% of those where the trigger, the common thread, is elementary school suspension. Elementary school suspension. He was in there with us said, everybody in here who, who did not get suspended in elementary school, stand up, it's only four. That's it, in all three facilities. So that's our early detection trigger. So that's how we come with our dream center and the programs because now God has touched us with Ms. Casey, with the Secretary of Human Service, with Secretary Christie, that we can work this both angles where you come, you're our troops, you're our rally support, you're our soldiers, we're North yes. New Life, we're shooting artillery over there trying to knock out that bunker over there that's, shoot, that's just trying to kill our kids. It's yeah. good, Fitz. Let's give it up for Fitz, guys. Thank you, Fitz. Appreciate you. Yeah, he's got to go out there and keep cooking. Yeah, <laughs> he's coming in and out from cooking the hot dogs and pork chops and talking to us. Uh, hey guys, if I hope you listened and you got encouraged and and excited about what Fitz was talking about, he mentioned at Everett Kansas we have a couple of programs. One of them is First and Forty Five. We have the City Serve Arkansas and the Arkansas Dream Center, and um, we love for you to get connected with us, especially of what you just heard from Fitz. What he was talking about, if you want to get in the game, like he likes to say. I think this, we have a QR code. Yeah, we're going to have a QR well. code up. You can put it up right now. Thank you. Uh, if you want to get in the game, we love your help. And especially on this topic, we're going to hopefully add a couple of people to our to our team that are going to really go go for it and really help provide services in all these four areas that Fitz was talking about. So if this is you and you feel like, hey, I want to help in this area, yeah, follow the link. Uh, Subscribe to his newsletter, newsletter, do whatever you can to get around Fitz and uh, uh, connect with us over through Evercans as well to be able to help provide some services for those in need. Uh, but it's just every time amazing to hear Fitz talk and 
Um, I think as a church, we want to be behind it even more and support them, not just with prayer, but also with some action steps and get really practical with it as well. Yes. I know this morning was like a probably a fire hydrant, just spraying you in the face of information. Our prayer is that you wouldn't feel discouraged because it seems like there's just problem after problem, maybe in our city or around the world, but that there's something tugging on your heart that the Lord is saying, like you, you personally can be a part of. But let's give it up um, before we continue for all of our guests. I hope you enjoyed this morning, the work that they're doing. It's amazing. Um, to, but to kind of tie it all up and bring it back to the scripture we read this morning, it says, And the king said, I will tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. The common thread among everyone that sat up here on the couch and shared their heart is that they're using their past and their their transformation of Jesus to live a sacrificial life. They're taking their eyes that may be fixed on them and they're looking up and saying, how can I breathe fresh hope, life, uh, freedom, deliverance, whatever it is over someone else's life. And they're not superheroes. None of us are that ever enter this stage. It is because of Jesus. It is because we are trusting him with our lives and saying, I want to do more and I want to help the next person. I think often about my, my children. And there's a, actually a quote before I go there from Brene Brown. It says, empathy is the ability to relate um, to how the other person feels while sympathy feel, is feeling bad for them, but failing to relate to them emotionally. And so it's often we could just walk in life and just see someone that's hurting and say, oh, that's a horrible situation. But when we stop and slow down just enough, just like how Jesus did, he was, he walked this earth with compassion and empathy. He was slow enough to say, look at what this person's going through. And probably could imagine himself walking in that. And so for me, it's like hearing all these things. And I'm like, if that was my daughter who was addicted, I would be willing to pay everything so that she could get into Ashley's home. If my son had a target on his back every time he walked out the door, I'm probably going to do everything in my power to ensure that Fitz has every resource and every tool imaginable because I'm putting myself in that situation. And so guys, as we're sitting here today and we take some time to reflect and to trust the Lord, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of that mom or that dad or in the shoes of that person who's maybe in the jungle who doesn't know the Lord and your life has been transformed by him, you can go there and imagine what you can physically do by your words, your speech, financially, um, to honor the Lord and to take our eyes off of us and, and lift them up and see what we can do to help the next person. Yeah. So we're entering uh, response time now so we can kind of dim the lights. I want you to stay in your seats for a little bit longer. And um, I have this one more picture for you guys. It's basically think about this job site where you walk up and uh, we're all going to build a house together. Right? That's what our call is. We get to be part of building the house of the Lord right here, the church. And this doesn't just mean our building, but be building the people around us. And you walk up to this job site and everybody has... There's some tools are laying around. Maybe you're bringing some resources to the table as well. And it's almost like Jesus is asking you, how do you want to participate in this process? What role do you want to be? Do you want to grab the hammer and frame the, frame the house? Do you want to grab, I don't know, all the other tools and build the walls or you build the floors and you build the roof and you are designed to be part of this process. God is asking you to be part of bringing his um, 
his new kingdom to this earth. We get to be part of walking it out. And he's asking you specifically to pick up a tool, to bring a resource, to get in the game. Maybe it's sowing more consistently in, the, in this house, right? He has a church as you bring your tithes and offerings, as we support these efforts and make us do these things. Or maybe it's signing up to one of these QR codes and finding the link and, and praying for somebody, getting signed in, maybe hey, I'm going to commit to the, the last couple of weeks of Six and Gold and show up every Saturday morning for an hour, whatever it might be. But I want you to envision yourself. You are part of this house. And here's the thing. We need you. If, we don't, if you don't show up to build the, the, the roof, we ain't got a roof. If you don't show up to help us with the walls, we don't have the walls. So that's how, that's how church works. We got to do it together. And it's about us pooling our resources together, picking up some tools and getting to work together. So here, as we go, I'm gonna, we're going to leave the QR code up for a second. I'm going to have Zach play just a little bit of reflective music for a couple of seconds. And I want you to think about what does that mean for you? What's God's asking you to get in the game with? And then afterwards, we're gonna, I'm going to pray for us, pray for our ministries. And then we're going to have a normal response time where you can go get prayer uh, in the back. You can bring your prayers to the crosses. You can light the candles on the sides or get communion in the back. But I want you to take a moment again. You're walking up to the job site. Nothing's there yet. It's just a foundation on the rock. And we're all getting together, picking up tools, bringing our resources, and we get to build this church together. God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the missionaries to Albania, the Lichais, that you bless them, that you be with them. We pray right now for our friends in Guatemala that are doing the work every day, that you be with them. We pray right now for all the good work that Casa is doing and for our recovery efforts with M18, for the ladies and the men, and also for what Fitz is doing. We just ask that you bless them all with strength, bless them with endurance, and that you just be with them and you help us to figure out what is our part to play. We ask for that you highlight to us what you have us do and get us in the game where we get plugged in and move the ball forward for your kingdom. We're so thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you maybe stand up and we're going to worship and respond. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.